0: The Midday Report
1: I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground.
0: The Midday Report
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Madeira Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. The president Sir Ramaphosa off the back of that uh, peace uh, peace mission uh, to Ukraine and Russia today, hosting the Danish and Dutch prime ministers in Pretoria uh, at the presidential guest house. We'll get the latest from there. He really is uh, mixing it up at the moment. Uh, different views on whether or not his mission to Ukraine and Russia was, was successful, ...whether or not uh, you can even gauge that at this stage... ...but he is now uh, meeting the Danish and Dutch Prime Ministers. We'll have a look at that a bit later on in the show. Let me know what your thoughts are on anything we are discussing today... 72 702 1702 1567 Lots of court stories to get through first. Uh, we'll start in Bloemfontein because Tabo Bester... ...who is uh, convicted of rape and murder... ...appearing in court today but appearing virtually... Of course, he was wearing a Louis Vuitton jersey today as he appeared virtually. I don't know why he isn't in an orange jumpsuit like most people would be if they have been convicted. Uh, But he and um, eight other people uh, uh, appeared in court today, including his girlfriend Nandipa Magudamana. Uh, She appeared in person today. The big developing story there is the fact that his attorneys have now withdrawn from the matter. EWN reporter Oren Singh following that for us. Oren, good afternoon to you. What do we know about this withdrawal of the legal representatives?
2: Good afternoon, Manny. Yeah, I think it's it's um, it's something that a lot of journalists expected that was going to happen today because we know that uh, both of the attorneys representing him, one an advocate another attorney, were facing criminal charges themselves. Um, I won't name the one attorney um, who's going to be appearing in court tomorrow because he's facing, uh, facing a sexual offence charge. And, um, and we know until he pleads, we cannot actually identify him. But he'll be appearing in court tomorrow. Um on, 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 a, on a charge of alleged rape uh, or attempted rape and assault and that was a case that was opened in March this year so there was obviously some issues around his representation, a lot of heat on them I think they made a decision, they said after consulting with Bester himself, they took the decision to recuse themselves from the matter and he appointed another t- attorney Cabello um, Mati who, uh, who was in court and present today but I think another interesting aspect uh, or development in court this morning Mandy is that uh, police are expecting three more arrests or at least three more people mm. to be arrested in this matter and they've called for a postponement for at least a month. Um, let's hear what uh, State Prosecutor Silo Matloho had to say on this.
3: briefly, the state still require some two witness statements and we expect him to add three more Uh, suspects in this matter and the police are still busy analyzing the cell phone and bank statements so that is basically the period that uh,
2: we think the investigation shall have been completed.
1: So Aaron at this stage do we know who those three may be who may be charged?
2: No idea whatsoever at this stage, Mandy, but we did hear quite early on in this case when, um, you know, the initial um, suspects appeared in court that police were expecting a lot more arrests and these three arrests would push it up to now 12 people. Um, arrested in this matter. I think another interesting development, the ninth accused or suspect that was arrested, Moya, Zimbabwean National, he abandoned his bail today. Um, and we have no idea why that was the decision that he had taken together with his attorney. He had no previous criminal records, but uh, he took the decision to abandon his bail.
1: We, we definitely talk a lot about the optics in this matter. It's, it's a story that has been surrounded by spectacle because of the soap opera nature of it. Uh, so it, it, it's almost impossible to notice the fact that Tabo appeared in a Louis Vuitton jersey today. Uh, Nandipa Magudamana looks more glam in jail than she does out of jail at this point. Are all authorities saying anything about this? Because they really are feeding into this narrative.
2: Now, I think uh, I think a lot of the people, especially on social media, are feeding into this narrative. But um, you know, it, it needs to be, and the public needs to be reminded of the fact that these two people are face, facing serious charges. At the end of the day, and one would question why Tabu Besta has, on both occasions we, in which he has appeared virtually, not been wearing correctional services uh, attire, um, at least uh, you know, a prison outfit. Why is he being allowed to to come uh, at, uh, uh, v- appear virtually in his own clothing? So I think those d- are definitely questions that need to be put to uh, the Department of Correction services going forward.
1: Oren Singh with an update there on the Tabo Besta matter, so that case has now been postponed to August the 8th.
0: The Midday Report
1: let's stay in the courts now because the Eastern Cape premier Oscar Mabuyani, has won his bid to interdict the special investigating unit, the SIU from probing his qualifications. Remember he is accused of fraudulently, fraudulently being admitted to the master's program at Forte university and changing the M admin qualification into a doctorate. President Cyril Ramaphosa had instructed the SIU to investigate irregularities, corruption at the university. So Mabuyani going to court, uh, there were two applications here. There's a Part A and a Part B. Part A is the interdict which was granted. Our reporter Sipa Kemmer in court for us. Sipa, good afternoon to you. only won the interdict against the SIU and the president and Fort here. What does this actually mean?
4: Well, I think, Bandy, just to sort of, you know, uh, give clarity, because I think there is some kind of misunderstanding uh, to this judgment. Now, this particular judgment was for Part A, which Maboyali was looking to interdict uh, the SIU from further probing uh, into his qualifications. As you know, that uh, it's not just only the allegations, aren't just only about the master's program, but also saying he attempted uh, to launder the master's program into a doctorate, and also alleging that he used ghostwriters supplied by uh, Professor Edwin Ijoma. Uh, um, at at, at, uh, the Bishop campus to actually do his proposal for him. Uh, This was, of course, confirmed by an internal investigation conducted by the university. Now, what this particular judgment uh, says in Part A, um, the the judge did say that that she found that the complaint um, by the applicant is justified uh, and the fact that uh, the applicant was aware, yes, of the proclamation in 2022 However, Mabuyane was not aware that the investigation would be about him or would include him. Uh, saying that the explanation given by Mabuyane and his legal team is reasonable uh, because up until the time there was no indication that he would be subject to that investigation. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it also carries on to say, in this case, the SIE does not have the original authority to investigate university affairs, and it is for this reason that uh, extending the operation of the proclamation to matters that are not expressly stated therein. So. For Part A, he has been successful. It is a win for him, but that is temporary, though, um, Mandy. We are waiting for Part B, and Part B of the of his application was that the proclamation be set aside permanently and be considered unlawful and invalid. And when you look at the entire proclamation, it's not just got to do uh, with the Eastern Cape Premier, but... Every other individual who is implicated in the corruption uh, at the University of Forte, the NECs who are also entangled in the qualification scandals as well, and other corruption scandals going on at the university, are, are also relying on this proclamation.
1: And Sipa, what is the University of Fort Hare saying about all of this? I mean,
4: I've been trying to get a comment from the university, uh, trying to speak to the university, but uh, I have been told that uh, they are waiting for Part B's judgment because that is the main one. Part A, the interdict, is entirely dependent on Part B. Uh, should Mabuyane win Part B, meaning the proclamation be set aside, then that means. Uh, the entire SIU investigation will be permanently, um, you know, put on, well, not on hold, but they'll be done away with the entire investigation and uh, looking into the corruption. So I think from there, that's when the university will then make that decision on whether or not they will appeal. But for now, we are waiting for an official comment and statement from the
5: university.
1: Sipa, thank you very much. Uh, Sipa Kema, EWN reporter, with the latest there, the Eastern Cape Premier Oscar Mabuyani, winning that bid to interdict the SIU from probing his qualifications. Uh, Very clear there that there are two parts to this, Part A and Part B. We don't have judgment uh, in Part B yet from the Bishore High Court. That is still to come. So clarity there. Uh, The other court matter that we are following, we'll get an update from our reporter a bit later on as well, is the first witness in the former state security minister, ANCMP Bongani Bongo's fraud and corruption trial. That's in the Nelsprate Specialised Commercial Crimes Court. That's happening at the moment. Lots of reaction coming in uh, to the conversation we had about Tabo Besta a bit earlier on uh, on Twitter uh, pointing out accused is not allowed to appear before court with prison clothes because his image has to be protected And as far as new charges are concerned. And I think you are right about this. Um, My apologies because uh, every court appearance I've done people have always appeared whether convicted previously or not in uh, I suppose civilian clothing as you would call it, because you're not supposed to influence the presiding officer's impressions of you. Um, I think it's, I suppose it's just the branding that is getting everyone annoyed about the fact that Tabo Besto was in Louis Vuitton today, Nike previously. Uh, But is there any issue with this? Is it all just optics or is it completely immaterial?
0: The Midday Report.
1: Staying in the courts and as I mentioned earlier, the former state security minister Bongani Bongo and 17 others uh, in court today, the first witness being called to give evidence in that trial in the Nelspruit Specialised Commercial Crimes Court in Mbombela in Mpumalanga, the accused facing several counts of fraud, corruption, contravention of the PFMA, other cases as well. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, stepping out of court for us. Bernadette, good afternoon to you. What is happening in court today?
6: Well, Mandy, as you mentioned, the first witness has now taken the stand, and that's Tabo Mashile, who's the head of SCM at the Impomalanga uh, Human Settlements Department. Um, and he's, so far, his evidence has been quite generic. They've kind of been focusing on um, the roles and responsibilities of the department, who does what in the department, the roles of, for example, the head of department, David Dube, who is one of the accused. And he's obviously not currently the head of the de- department, but was at the time. Um, and how, how processes are supposed to unfold when, for example, you have something like the acquisition of land. Um, So it's been quite general, as I say, but the sense you get is obviously that they are shaping up basically to compare the way things were done in these two cases that's sort of the heart of this matter um, to the way they should have been done. We've just started getting into kind of the specifics and um, the witness has been kind of explaining that he was on the uh, land negotiating committee. But obviously because so much time has passed, we're also in a situation where there's a lot that this witness seems not to remember. Um, And we have to remember that the, the event at the heart of this case, date back more than a decade. They go back to um, around 2011. So, you do get the sense that we might have some issues there, and that just with the passage of time, obviously, people's memories fade.
1: Bernadette, thank you very much. Uh, Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, with the latest day on that trial uh, involving Bongani. Bongo. The Midday Report. And just some breaking news relating to the courts out of the UK. The influencer, Andrew Tate, if you have teenage children or twins you'll know who he is. Uh, he's been indicted on human trafficking, rape charges in Romania. Remember, he was arrested in Romania with the pizza box Well, he's now been formally indicted. He has been charged with rape and human trafficking. A big developing story there from Romanian prosecutors. Back home, uh, women and men against child abuse uh, have uh, held a press conference today. They are writing to the Justice Minister to expedite the extradition of a South African citizen, a man by the name of Ian Wes, who stands accused of a raft of high profile historical child sexual abuse cases in the UK. He was referred to by the pseudonym of Edgar in the British media. He's a South African former school teacher who stands accused of physically and sexually abusing. Young boys, whilst working as a teacher at schools in the UK, but this is of relevance to uh, to South Africans because he also was a teacher for several years at many high profile. Cape Town schools as well. Miranda Jordan from Women and Men Against Child Abuse, a Senior Director, joining us now. Miranda, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. You've written to the Justice you, Minister. Mandy. You want um, the, you refer to him as, as the man labelled as the next Jimmy Savile to be urgently extradited to the UK. Why do you want this to happen?
4: Well, um, Mandy, currently he's got 84 charges waiting for him approximately 42 men. Um, this number is growing in the UK. And also, we are we are aware that, you know, this man taught for a decade in the UK and he was abusing boys um, in his class. Um, at, at least 50% of the boys in his class have, have, um, have come forward. Some have laid charges, some haven't. But he was abusing them on a regular basis. By that I mean... Every single week, some three times a week, both physically and sexually, and often in plain sight of the others. But his his preference was nine and ten year old boys, and um, he had a an. He was violent. He was sadistic, um, and so it was almost impossible. After listening to both um, Neil Douglas, who has come forward, and Nikki um, uh, uh, Campbell. Uh, who's an OBE but also a BBC presenter, um, who actually saw um, Ian Wears, uh as a ten-year-old abusing um, and and mm. actually masturbating his friend in full view of the other members of the rugby team, right. and um, it has been it has, you know it is something that they. Uh, have been fighting for a very long time. 2019, he was arrested and brought to the Magistrates' Court in Fishhook, um, where they felt, the Magistrates' Court, that there were enough charges for him to be exp- a- a- expedited. Mm. There was enough expedited. A- a- what happened then is a month later, this is from August 2019 to September 2019, he then did his first appeal to Minister, Minister Lamola um, saying, first of all, admitting, but saying that he was now of an advanced age and that he should simply be allowed to live out his life and hmm. that this would be cruel for him to now be extradited to the UK. Sure. Due to the fact that COVID happened in 2020, he was allowed to stay at home. But what we are saying is, first of all, awaiting his extradition, he should be in jail. From 2021 until 2023, now he has put in another application to to the minister and to the High Court as to why he should not be extradited. And what we're saying, importantly, is he is accused of heinous crimes. You know, we are saying, and 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 the British men who are waiting for him are saying that he is one of the most prolific child sexual abusers in the UK. And we believe that there is no way that these changed between teaching in the UK and South Africa, and that we believe that Ronda Bosch, as well as Western Province Preparity and St. George's, need to put extensively out um, a, a, a news uh, or press article within their schools also saying, whoever was abused by him should come forward um, to Women and Men Against Child Abuse and we will help them
1: to also open cases. Miranda, thank you very much. Uh, Miranda Jordan from Women and Men Against Child Abuse, the senior director there. So the call there from Women and Men Against Child Abuse is that uh, this individual was also a teacher at the Western Province Preparatory School and St. George's Grammar School in the Western Cape in the 1960s. He was at Rondebosch Boys in 1980 where he worked for 26 years. So the call there is to any student who may have experienced or witnessed any possible abuse. To to come forward and share whatever information they may have uh, with women and men against child abuse.
0: The Midday Report.
1: Let's take a look at the situation in the Western Cape. Uh, disaster management still on high alert. Uh, heavy rains continuing to batter the province in some parts. Uh, we do now have confirmation of some deaths as well. Uh, a lot of flooding, uh, several hundred people displaced. The Western Cape Premier, Alan Wendy providing an update on the coordinated response to the recent flooding that has been seen. So he's been having that briefing. Uh, and Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, uh, listening in there, joining us in our Cape Cape Town Studio and Tizello, good afternoon to you. What is the Western Cape Premier been saying about the response to the flooding in the province?
3: Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, the Western Cape Disaster Management stakeholders have given an update today on the impact of the recent floods on various communities across the province and also government's response. The government says the extent of the damage caused by the recent floods will only be known after all the assessments are done. Uh, Thousands of people have been displaced and accommodated in town halls uh, following the heavy downpours in the Cape um, since last week. Um, In Initial flood damage assessment is estimated to be between 750 million rand and 1 billion rand for the province's agricultural sector. And the Provincial Disaster Management Centre says all its teams are still hard at work, uh, providing relief to areas still underwater. The citrus community, as we know, in the Syderberg municipality has been cut off um, after a section of the road leading into the town collapsed. And there have also been two deaths that have been reported um, due to the floods and one person was swept away while trying to cross the river in Buffalo yachs River in the Overberg while another person died in Friedendal. Um, meanwhile, Premier Ellen Windy addressed the media and sent condolences to the families of the deceased. Uh, the Premier also had this to say when praising the NGO's volunteers and other partners who have helped. Let's take a listen. Whenever we have a disaster, whatever it is, we have such amazing citizens that just step up. They are either donating or uh, organizations like Gift of the Givers are out there making sure that those donations are getting to who need it most. Uh, I think of the volunteer firefighters, the NSRI guys. There's just so many people. And so uh, we owe to them. I mean, they don't get paid uh, to do what they do they just step in and uh, so we must say to them also thank you very much
1: what else has the premier said about the uh, the response helping those who have been displaced and and dealing with that infrastructure uh, in terms of bridges or roads that have been affected
3: um, the premier and all the other, you know, disaster management stakeholders, they're saying that, you know, uh, like I said in the, in the in the in the report, the teams are out there, um, they are helping to, you know, to fix the roads, fix the bridges, and make sure that, you know, there's access to the towns that have been cut off. Um, but, you know, all the assessments will only be done. Um, you know, everything, we'll know everything once the assessments are, 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 are complete and uh, what is the current status there. But people are out there and they are helping and they're trying to fix everything that has been broken.
1: Ntutuzelo, thank you very much. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, giving us an update there uh, from the Western Cape Premier, Alan Windy, and uh, a broad picture across the Western Cape. Uh, as Ntutuzelo mentioned there, the Citrus Dull and the Cedarberg area have been cut off uh, because of sections of a few major roads collapsing, washing away during the heavy rains and the flooding. while EWN's Kevin Brunt is uh, trying to make his way to Citrus Dull now. Kevin, good afternoon to you. Tell us about uh, your experience as you try and make your way to Citrus Doll.
5: A very good afternoon to you, Mandy. While well, I arrived on the N7 just outside of the town of Citrus Doll. it's about a 205 kilometer commute from Cape Town. Arrived in the main road leading to Citrus Doll, taking traffic from the N7 into the town has been cut off. There's about an 80 to 100 meter gap in that road as a result of the flooding that came down earlier. Um, as also as well as the water that still flows steadily within that area. You can see that there's been um, a construction site set up, civil engineering site with an excavator and a lot of equipment, as the officials now have to assess how they will be able to rebuild um, that road so that residents can have access and so that food trucks can come in. There was a farm road, um, a bridge that was earlier being used to transport some of these goods uh, towards the community, but because of the overnight rain and the rising level of that river, that bridge also this morning could not be used, and I was planning then to use that specific bridge to make my way into the town. And i even now in Clan Williams, which is about 60 kilometers from Citrus Dells, taking a tour from being in Citrus Dells to go back into the town via a different route, about 120 kilometers commute, so that I can go and speak to some of the residents and businesses affected. But I did, however, get some voices from the people on the ground there earlier. One of them, on along the end, seven, a petrol attendant, who told me that he's been stuck there since last week. He was unable to go home, and literally from where he's standing, the location of that fuel station, you can see the community. His wife and kids is there. I also spoke to a delivery guy from Cape Town who was supposed to deliver part of the in the our community thinking that the road is now being reopened. It hasn't and you had to go back. Listen to what they told me,
3: Mandy. It was very difficult for me but yes, but I must work. Yeah the river has very, very full. Cause you don't pass away through the stuff. Are you in communication with him? Yes, but not now because of the power was off most now because of this water. So that is the power off for the entire area or yes. just sections? I think it's the
0: entire area.
1: So, so Kevin, what are you hearing from within Citrus doll then? Are they able to get resources to the residents there? Have they been able to get any, any food or supplies to them?
5: Relief organizations such as the Gift of the Giver's Man over the past weekend airlifted some resources to that community. I just saw a truck pass by me now, once again going back to Citrus Dull, Um There will be Giving residents or, you know, support and assistance in the form of food parcels and mattresses and whatever they need to, um, you know, get through this very difficult time. But I do understand also from the local municipalities that is where I'm at. At the moment, I have an, an appointment with the municipal manager to try and see how the local authorities here are trying to assist the residents and, in particular, also what their plans are with regard to rebuilding the infrastructure. So we will get a bit of an update in terms of relief aid being provided in clearer detail and maybe some timelines as well as how long it's going to take more or less to rebuild that main that's been cut off from the N7. Yeah. I heard earlier on from some of the farmers in the area, they too are suffering because on the other side of the N7, they have packed houses and we know that it's citrus harvesting time at the moment and their workers are now stuck within the inside of citrus. They're unable to make their way to their workplaces so they too are suffering and they've been telling me that they are trying to reduce the upward flow of the river so that they can then begin mm. work but as i say when i left there about two hours ago uh still a heavy flow of water mm. downstream making it very difficult for um, reconstruction work to begin within that community but we do expect an update from the officials in terms of how that's going to play out, Mandy.
1: Kevin, thank you very much. Best of luck to you. Kevin Brunt, EWN reporter, trying to make his, make his way uh, to Citrus Dull at the moment where roads have been washed away and disaster management responding.
0: The Midday Report.
1: The Health Department having a briefing following the passing of the NHI Bill last week. And uh, we know there's been mixed reaction to the passing of the NHI Bill. Well, Babalo Ndenze, EWN reporter, giving us a quick update on this. Babalo, good afternoon to you. What's been said there?
7: Yes, good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, Health Minister uh, Dr. Joe Pasha, back in Parliament in the NCOP Select Committee. Now um, following the passing of the NHI Bill by the National Assembly last week. It now moves to the next level or the next hurdle, rather, in the NCOP way is basically reassuring um, members of the council that this bill is to really protect the most vulnerable in society, the poorest, uh, those who don't have any, you know, medical insurance. And he says that, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation, um, especially from, you know, those with a vested interest in this healthcare sector. um, It's Pretty clear who is referring to. It's you know the big you know medical schemes that we have in this country, and he's saying that you know this is just going to be um, it's going to just be a minor dent into their super profits. It's not like it's going to you know wipe out their entire profit, and he's just allaying those fears um, and I'm also getting a lot of you know um, concerns raised by members of the National Council of Provinces around you know um, freedom to choose you want medical aid scheme. Um, costs associated and additional taxes on individuals, and to fund the NHI and how this could impact on the working class. You know the issue of accreditation of healthcare facilities. Mm. Um, you can only you can only go to these facilities when you have when you are an NHI member but when they are accredited. And there's an issue about you know a lack of facilities and the current state of the mm. of the country's of the country's healthcare. And um, so a lot of issues raised by the by the minister. You know, assuring the, the National Council of Provinces that you know all these issues will be ironed out. And we do know that this bill now will then go to further public hearings, Mandy, in the NCOP where you know further objections we expect from the from the public are um, expected right. as well, Mandy.
1: Babado, thank you. Babado and Denze, EWN reporter, giving us an update there. The health minister before the NCOP answering questions about the NHI.
0: The midday report.
1: The 11th South African AIDS Conference getting underway in Durban today. It's a week-long conference. People living with HIV, joining scientists, civil society groups, government leaders uh, discussing uh, solutions. It's the first face-to-face or in-person conference since the outbreak of COVID. Dr. Gloria Mayimela is the conference chair and director of climate and health at the VITS RHI. Dr. Mayimela, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. What are the expectations around the 11th South African AIDS conference.
4: Good afternoon, Mandy, and good afternoon to the listeners. So this is the first in person conference since the COVID nineteen pandemic and we're expecting to bring together the HIV community, civil society, young people, scientists, policymakers, donors, etc., under the same roof to deliberate on actions that need to be taken to reach to HIV epidemic control as set up by the UNH 2020 targets um, amid existing pandemics and global health threats.
1: And and who are some of the key speakers that are going to be appearing? And and, and what are you hoping some of the outcomes will be?
4: So today we have um, the Minister of Health, Joe Parker, who who, will deliver a keynote address. We have scientists that will be Speaking on the status of um, of the HIV response in South Africa, for example, um Mushana will be speaking to that. We have speakers from UNAIDS. Uh, who will also give us the, state, you know, the HIV epidemic status from a global perspective. We also have speakers from the SADC region, but we also have community groups. We have civil society are members and LGBTQI representatives who will be talking about stigma and discrimination, as well as the decriminalization of sex work. We have young people who will be on the stage also talking about how to get to an age generation by 2030.
1: All important conversations. Doctor, thank you so much. Best of luck to you for that week-long conference. Dr. Gloria Maimela, the conference chair, the director of climate and health at the WITS-RHI. Uh, as she said, the health minister, uh, Dr. Joe Pachla opening that conference, the 11th South African AIDS conference, getting underway in Durban today.
0: The Midday Report.
1: That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website, 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener.